Thanks for listening to the Three Strands Podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit us at threestrands.church. So, hey, everybody. Um, I'm Kayla, and most of you guys know me because I was here last summer. Um, And I just have to say, all of my youth literally look like they're grown. I, like, look at you guys, and I'm like, what happened? I was only gone for a year, and you guys literally all look grown. And I'm just, I'm amazed at everything that this church has been through from last summer to this summer. And every single time I think of this church, I'm like, I just love it so much. And Abby's always a hot mess. <laughs> but um, I was just so thankful to be here last summer, and I'm thankful to be here now. So, I mean, not only has this church been through a lot of things, but like as a kind of a world, we've been through going some crazy stuff like 2020. So like the beginning of the year, we were supposed to go through like a world war, right? There was debates. They're like, we might be under attack. We might all be bombed. Who knows? After that, COVID hits and it's like COVID, obviously. And then in the middle of that, we've got some race wars going on, literally like the biggest move for equality in history. And then after that, we're seeing, apparently, NASA's like, oh, by the way, we thought we saw aliens. There's probably aliens out there. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what's next? And then we send someone to space. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this whole year, to me, has just been like, what the heck? And then Emmanuel decides, you know what? Let's get married. Like, I'm going to propose to you in the midst of craziness. Let's just, let's get married. So I'm still in shock with that, but then I'm in shock with the whole world. And... I just got to say, it's been crazy. And uh, one thing before I get started was um, something that literally I was dying. And this is going to be one of those things that um, I'm going to reference to Pastor Dave back there because um, last summer, I used to be the person that was like so happy over the little things. Like the big things, I was just kind of like, oh, cool. That's, that's, that's dope. That's awesome. But like the little things really made me happy. I remember one time we were sitting in a life group at Pastor Dave's house. And if you've ever been to his house, he's got this amazing sectional. It's beautiful. But I have a spot on the sectional. Nobody knew. I think Pastor Dave knew. Maybe Stephanie knew. But he definitely knew. So every time that we would have life group, I wanted the seat beside the door. And most of the time, Miss Belinda would take that seat. And I was like, all right, respect my elder. You know, Miss Belinda, you got this. <laughs> but... I always wanted that seat. So one day I got the seat and I also got my coffee, which by the way, was probably spilt on that couch a good seven times the last summer. Sorry about that. And I remember sitting there, I had my coffee, I was sitting on the edge of the seat and I was just smiling. I was just like in a place of contentment, ready to hear the word of the Lord from Pastor Dave. And he's like, you know what? It's the little things that make you happy. I could come in and tell you the whole church got saved and you'd be like, yeah. He's like, but give you a cup of coffee beside your sitting seat before this and you're the happiest woman in the world. He's like, I don't get it, but I get it. (laughs) So the little things used to make me so happy. And during this time of the year, I was like, man, I'm struggling to see the good stuff in the little things. And this year has definitely been a challenge for me to just see those little things, especially all of the things we're used to just being ripped apart. But then at Kroger the other day, this woman made me appreciate the little things because I almost died. Like I was laughing so hard over nothing. This isn't a big joke. I'm going to brace yourself. This is a little joke, a little tequila joke. Like literally in the middle of this store, I'm just shopping, you know, I already don't like to go because it's just a hassle. So I'm shopping, looking around. I have my mask on because Campbellsville's a little crazy with the masks. And I see this guy, he's in front of me. He doesn't have a mask on. And I'm like, cool, like, you know, do your thing. And so this woman comes by 
And she, I don't know if she was a good Samaritan. I don't know if she was a Kroger worker. I personally have no idea. But what I do know, she was on top of this COVID stuff. She's got her little cart. She has a whole box of these surgical masks. I'm not, this is no, I can't make this up. She's going around looking at people, literally like through the aisles, just like, okay, you got your mask, cool. She comes to my aisle. I'm looking at the rice. And I'm like, oh, there's the woman. I've seen her a little bit. And she looks at this man and she goes, sir, sir, do you want a mask? Do you want a mask? And he's like, no. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I got one in my pocket. And I was like, what? (laughs) And this woman looks at me. I got my mask on, so I'm good. I'm in the clear. And she looks at him and she's like, okay. And she literally just keeps going. I look at the guy and he's looking at me and he's like, And he just keeps shopping. I'm like, you know what? Do your thing, dude. I'm for it. You're hilarious. So I'm laughing. This man's refusing to take his mask off or to put it on. And it just made me think about the fact that we have all these opportunities to protect ourselves. We have all these opportunities for the Lord to come in and give us pieces of protection. And sometimes we're like, you know, I'm just going to leave that scripture in my pocket. And I'm going to just keep doing my own thing. I'm just going to keep moving on. You know, I might have a little Jesus in my pocket, but I'm never going to put him on all the way. I'm never going to let him be my protection. I'm never going to be the one who's like, yes, I'm good with the Lord. I'm not getting COVID like I'm safe. (laughs) Instead, we just kind of tuck him away. And so before I start today, I'm going to be reading in Mark. We're going to be in Mark 10, starting on verse 46. But before I start, I would like to go ahead and just pray and just pray over your minds and your hearts today. So bow your heads with me and let's go. So dear Lord, I just thank you for today, Father. I thank you for the fact that you have always um, ordained every single moment, God, from the beginning of time until now. You have brought each person in this room for a specific reason. You've brought them to their chairs and you found their placements for something to be placed into their minds, God. So I just pray that today... You'll replace anything in my mind that is not of you, God, and you will put everything that is of you in me so that it can come out through me for the hearts of the people in this room. God, I pray that you will renew their minds in this moment, that you will unharden their hearts so that they can receive a word. And I pray that any distractions can fall away and that their minds can be very focused on this moment where you have something to say, Father. Hide me behind you and allow them to see you within me, Jesus. It's in your heavenly and precious name that I pray. Amen. So I'm going to get a drink, and you guys can go, it might be on the screen, but um, Mark 10, verse 46, we're going to talk about a man named Bartimaeus. Might say his name wrong, I don't know. I'm really not good with Bible names, to be honest. (laughs) So if you guys are there, I love Abby because, like, she's always got her Bible, and, like, she's always got everything marked, and I'm just like, I love it, I love it. So we're going to start reading right here in verse 46. So Jesus is traveling and he's doing his thing. He's doing his traveling ministry, which I wish I could have traveled this year, but it's fine. And so Jesus was the dude who's always traveling around. He's talking to people. He's doing his stuff. And um, he reaches this place called Jericho. And that's where we're going to pick up on the text. This is after he's teaching about serving others, after he predicts his own death. So he's at this pivotal point in his life where he's just going around like doing miracles, preparing people for the moment where he's going to lay down his life for them. So he gets to this town called Jericho, and it says, As Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was standing, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
So I want to stop here, and I want you to recognize that Bartimaeus was literally sitting on a street corner. He's blind, cannot see, and he's a beggar, which means he's most likely similar to homeless people. He's sitting there. He doesn't have a home. He doesn't have, you know, things, and he is literally blind. So back in the day, you know, if you were blind, you were basically useless to society. They didn't care if you were smart. They didn't care, you know, if you had needed a place. If you did not bring value to society, then they did not care for you. So it's not like there was a, um, like a food bank for him. It wasn't like there was homeless shelters. This guy is sitting on the street, and he's blind. He couldn't even see if someone was coming to attack him. And so what we see in this text is Jesus is coming through town, and he's got a large group of people following him. And this man is sitting here on the street. And I want to go to the next part, because this next part of the text kind of made me angry, because I was like, first of all, why would you do that? And you'll see what I'm talking about. So so at this point, Bartimaeus is yelling, and he's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me. So then these people in this crowd had the audacity to tell this man to be quiet. They're literally like, shh, be quiet, be quiet. And I'm thinking to myself, how many times have we told other people that are super excited and super, you know, ready for a healing, ready for a blessing, just like, calm down, you're good, just just sit in your seat, come to church, that's it, you're good. But then I thought about the times where, you know, we've been desperate for God, and we're screaming out, and we need Him, and so I don't want you guys to think, oh, I would never do that, or I would do that, because we're both of those people in the story, and so what we see is that they're telling him to be quiet, they're yelling at him, and what he does blew my mind, because he just starts shouting louder. They're like, shh, be quiet, be quiet, and he's like, no, Jesus, Jesus, he's yelling, he's like, I need you, he can't even see, so like, I'm sure he's just like over here yelling, he doesn't know what direction, you know, he's just yelling, and he does not care what he looks like, he doesn't care if he looks like a fool, he doesn't care, he just knows that Jesus is here, I'm blind, I'm in desperate need of this man, I've heard about him, never seen him, but I need this. And so um, what's funny to me is um, my grandmother, um, I call her Lola because in the Philippines, Lola means grandmother. So I'm going to refer to her by that. So you guys don't think that's her name. But so my Lola, um, call, I was talking to her on the phone the other day. And she, okay, Filipino women are crazy. Let me tell you that. They've got an attitude. They've got like this just spiteful power to them. They're ready to run the room and they love the Lord. Um, and my grandmother's a Catholic, so she's always ready to bless somebody and walk away. Like it's so funny to me. She's hilarious. But she has a temper and maybe that's where I got mine. I don't know. But she literally like, called, we're on the phone and she's like, guess what happened to me the other day? And I'm like, and my grandma has a heavy accent, so she's just so funny. I'm not even going to try to, like, immaculate it. But she's like, guess what happened to me? I was like, what, Grandma? And she said, I was leaving Publix the other day. I was took forever to get my prescription, and I saw this man under a little bridge. There's, like, a bridge from the time she gets to her house to Publix. She's with my uncle and the kids. She's like, and guess what I did? I was like, what'd you do, Lola? And she says, I decided I'm going to give this man money. She said, I had $40 in my pocketbook, and I got him two of the big honey buns. She said, not the small honey buns, the big honey buns from the grocery store. And I got him a gallon of water. You know why? Because it was just as hot. And she said, you know, she was just going off. And I was like, okay, so you got him honey buns. Cool. That's What a good deed, Grandma. What a, what a great deed. And so my Lola says, I pull up. Well, she's like, I made Alan pull up. So she rolls down her window and she says, 
um, excuse me, sir. I see that you um, are under this bridge, and I'm going to give you honey buns. I'm going to give you some money. She's like, I have $40 in my pocketbook, and here's a gallon of water because it's just hot out here. I'm so sorry. So she's trying to be nice, and I can imagine her just trying to be so nice to this man. This man says, hey, can I get a ride? And my uncle was like, no, dude, I have, like, my family in the back. Like, we're not going to do that. And he starts going off on my grandmother. And, like, in my mind, I'm like, my grandma, if she was younger, she probably would have jumped out of that van if she didn't have those bum knees and probably would have started throwing hands, bless her little Catholic heart. And she, <laughs> she gets out of um, her mode of being super, like, you know, I'm doing a good deed. And she's like, excuse me? And he was like, I don't need your money. I don't need your food. You're crazy. Da, da, da. And he s- says something else about her being a foreigner or something. And my grandma's like, so you'll take a ride from me, but you won't take my money. And he was like, going off. So my grandma decides, she's like, you know what? We're just going to leave. And she's talking to me. She's like, on the outside, I was angry. But on the inside, I was just laughing because I was like, in the Philippines, if I give kids food, if I give family food, they're so thankful. They take it. They ask if they can do anything for me in return. She's like, I didn't expect that. But I mean, obviously, he didn't need it that bad. He just laying under the bridge for fun, I guess. And I was like, Grandma, it's, it's fine. It's fine. She is upset. I mean, she is upset. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, man, thank God that Bar- Bartimus was not like that man sitting under the bridge. Because if, if Bartimus was that man sitting under the bridge, and he heard Jesus was coming, and Jesus is like, you know what? I'm not going to heal you, but I'll give you salvation. He was like, no, 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 no. I don't want salvation. I want to see. Like, I'm not taking that. And then he cusses Jesus out. Like, what? Like, first of all, I was angry. I was like, Grandma, what in the world? But then I'm thinking, thank you, Bartimus, for acting right. So Bartimus is like going to find Jesus, and I'm going to pick back up on the text. But like, I just want you guys to keep that idea in your mind of someone who is just very needy. And there's two types of people who are really struggling on the streets. When I went to LA, I saw this. I saw you've got streets of people in Beverly Hills who have money, and they're spending like crazy. You go literally two streets, two blocks over, It's tent communities. These people are in tents. They have nothing. And it's so sad because you can tell some of them have serious mental problems. So they can't even like understand where they are. And so they don't have shoes on. It's just dirty. It smells so bad over there. And I remember one time I went to LA and I got granola bars and a couple packs of water. And I just set it out there. Like I got out of my car. I just set it there. As soon as I set the water there, there was like 20 people coming out of the tents, like rushing towards, I was kind of freaked out, but I was like, okay. So I like got in my car and these people were like getting the water. They were sharing with each other. And I was like, it broke my heart because I was thinking like these people like are coming out of these places that they live in nightly. And, you know, there's so many people that have things and then you go over and these people are like sitting here starving, literally. They don't have water. They don't have food. It gets hot. And in the winter, it's freezing. So, like, what do they have? And I want to pick right back up on the text because it's important to recognize the lifestyle of someone who has nothing. And it's important, it's important to realize the heart posture of these two people because you have people that have nothing and their heart is hardened and they only want what they want. And you have people who, you know, their hearts are softened and they're just hungry for what they can get and they're appreciative and they want as much as possible. Um, in the best of ways. And so we see here on verse 49, and it says, when Jesus heard Bartimaeus screaming, basically he stopped and said, tell him to come here. He just says, tell him to come. And 
What I love about that story was the fact that literally, like, Jesus is telling him, come to me, come to me. And we'll come back to that, but there's also another aspect in the scripture that talks about us coming to the Lord. And it's just a beautiful reflection of the fact that we get to come to Jesus. We don't have to do anything to come. It's not like I have to do X, Y, and Z, and then I get to come to Jesus. It's the fact that you get to just straight come to the Lord. And he sees you, he hears you, and he asks you to come. And so... As we pick up on the text, we see that after he tells him to come here, that the other people were like, the ones that were telling him to be quiet, they said, cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and then he comes to Jesus. And I want you to realize, like, they were so easy to flip the switch. They're like, you know what? Like, he's telling you to come, so cheer up, come on, come on. But before they were like, be quiet, be quiet, quiet it down. But when they realized that God's favor was upon him, when they realized like, oh, he is like the Lord is in the presence of this man, like the Lord wants him to to see that he hears him, that he sees him, their whole attitude changed. Because before he was nobody, then when he got with Jesus, he became somebody to these people. And the next aspect is the fact that Jesus says in verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, my rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So I know you think this might be just like a short story, but there's so much to unpack in these few scriptures. And that's what I love about reading the Bible is you think it's just a few sentences. But in reality, when you ask the Lord to reveal something to you, it's so much deeper than just what you see on the pages. And so... The first thing I want to ask you guys is a few questions throughout this. The first one is, what is your response to Jesus? So when you know that God is calling you to do something, even if you know that you never really understood God, but you feel his presence, what do you respond to him? Do you respond in a way that's like desperation, that you want him, that you're willing to just open up to him? Or do you respond in a way that is quiet, that is hidden in a crowd, that just kind of stands back, you're reserved, you don't really want to do too much, you don't want to say too much, but you know, hey, I'm in the presence of God. Hey, I'm at church. Hey, I go to small groups. Hey, I pray when everybody's praying, but you're just kind of in the crowd. You don't really step out. You don't really shout out for Jesus outside of the realm of church, small groups, or whenever you think you're supposed to with other people. So what is your response to Jesus during those times? And A little bit about my story was the first time that I genuinely felt the presence of God um, when I was a little bit older was my freshman year of college at Campbellsville. We had to go to this thing called first class, and first class was crazy. (laughs) So they take all the freshmen and they say, hey, for one semester you have to go to this class. The class was basically a church service. They did worship, they did a message, and then whatever, you go to class in announcements for freshmen. And I remember thinking, like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever had to go through. I'm going to school. I'm not going to church. Like, I'm not paying to go to church. I was upset. And this was before I was a Christian. Like, Lord, forgive me. I was mad. I was like, I'm supposed to have fun. This is college, and you want me to go to this thing. So I remember one service, and I usually was just on my phone, to be honest. I didn't care. I was like a freshman in college. You know, I'm like 18, 19. I'm on my phone. And All of a sudden, this guy, I don't know what it was. I don't remember his message. Like, he is nobody. The Lord was everything in him. And he just comes up and he starts preaching. And all of a sudden, I put down my phone. 
I cross my arms, and I just kind of look at him. I'm listening. He's preaching. And I just felt this huge wave of, like, the presence of God. And if you felt that before, you know what I'm talking about. But it was just like, I felt like God was literally speaking to me through that man. And I was listening. My ears were open. My heart was open. At the end of the service, I bawled my eyes out. And I'm like, wow, that was God. That was my freshman year. I go tell some girls about it that I'm living with in my dorm room. And they say to me, they're like, oh, cool. Like a lot of people do that. Sometimes you just cry to let things out. It probably was nothing. And I'm like, was it though? And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, to be a Christian means I have to be good. It's my freshman year of college. I don't really want to do that. I kind of want to go to parties and do stuff. So I chose to ignore the presence of God, and I chose to move this way towards parties, towards my own coping mechanisms, towards hanging out with people I shouldn't have been hanging out with. And I wanted to be that girl on campus. I wanted to be the girl that everybody knew. I was a college athlete at the time, so I just wanted to focus on sports. I wanted to focus on a social life. And that was it. I didn't even care about classes. (laughs) And at that time, it came full circle because my sophomore year, I don't even want to say it was the Lord because I think the Lord allows things to happen to us. But every single passion I had was gone. I didn't want to play soccer. I didn't want to do anything other than literally sit there and cry. And um, during that time, I I was very like addicted to smoking marijuana. So that's all I did. That's all I cared about. And I did that daily, daily, daily. It was just a whole routine. It finally got to the place where I genuinely was like, I don't even think I want to be alive anymore. Like, there's nothing to this life outside of what I'm doing. My relationships suck. I'm addicted to so much. I don't have control over my life. I don't like people. I don't like myself. And I just question, like, what is the point? Like, why? So... It's crazy because the night that I planned to commit suicide, um, there was just this moment where I felt like the Lord just kind of said, you're worth more. And in that moment, I felt like this wave of the presence of God. um, And I remember like my friend from high school, which is Miss Dawn Kidd's daughter, um, Kaylee read this Bible all the time. She read it all the time. Every time I spent the night with her, she was reading it. I was like, what are you doing? And I had ordered the same Bible once off of Amazon, but I never did anything with it. But it was tucked in my closet. And I remember pulling the Bible out and reading it, and it read me. And I was in the book of songs, and literally it was like scripture after scripture talking about how bad you know, this is what it looks like to not be with the Lord. It looks like a dog that returns to its vomit. If you've ever had a dog, my puppy literally puked the other day. I cleaned it up and he was still going to lick the spot where he puked. I was like, you're disgusting. What are you doing? And, but it was that scripture where it was like, you will return to everything you're doing and it'll be a cycle of just destruction and of pain and of these thoughts of not being here. And then on the flip side, it said, but however, with a life with God, there is life, there is abundance, there is joy, there is hope, there's a life after this. And I remember in that moment, I said, no matter what it takes, like, I want to know God because I never want to put myself back in this spot. And I never want to have that power and control of my life that I thought that I had. And right after that, I surrendered to the Lord. And I was like, take me, take all of me. I don't care if you call me to like die for you. Like, I want whatever it is that you have in your will for me. I surrender to it. I want it. And so in both of those responses, the the Lord was present and he's present with me constantly. He's present with you constantly. But the question is, how do you respond? 
Do you respond in the fact of like, I want to literally go back and do what I want to do? Or, <laughs> look at the Lord. <laughs> or, <laughs> see, this was the side that was like the Lord's presence and this was like the bad side. So he's like, choose this, choose this. <laughs> Honestly, don't even know. <laughs> but um, literally you have two sides. You've got the side over here with the Lord's presence and then you have the side over here with what you think is your will and your power getting closer faster (laughs) like was this like supposed to happen so you just walk to the lord's presence and you just kind of take it and you're like i'm gonna walk with the presence of god and throw it around and see if it comes back honestly do you want to get this balloon (laughs) now i'm like so distracted i'm like hey what was i preaching about (laughs) the presence of god so (laughs) anyways Just ask yourself, do I choose the Lord or do I choose myself? Because that is the line that you have to constantly question yourself, whether you've given your life to God or whether you haven't. You have to question that. Because the Spirit is always here, obviously. But the thing is, is we move away and we move to ourself. We move to our pride and our ambition. And so um, I really want you guys to think about the fact that Jesus does ask us to come. And he wants you to come and he hears you. And so literally in Revelation 22, 17, it talks about how the Lord says, come, and he's asking you. And that's like the last book of the Bible. And the Lord is saying, you know, Jesus is coming back. So I want you to recognize that you have a chance to come. So all who are thirsty, all who are weary, all who are struggling, come to me. (laughs) And um, so the next thing that I kind of want to emphasize is Bartimaeus. So like I told you guys, he is a beggar. And like as a beggar, he doesn't have, um, (laughs) I think, (laughs) it's chill. We're just literally talking about Jesus. (laughs) But um, there, Bartimaeus was the guy that had a coat on, right? And remember, he's the beggar. Remember how I told you in LA, those people have nothing. They live in tents. Some of them just live in a jacket and they sleep on the ground. They use their jacket as a pillow. And so as someone who is literally, like, starving, who can't see, a jacket to them would be everything. A jacket for them would be their security. It would be their protection. It would be their possession. It's everything because they don't have anything. And the fact that in this text it says Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumps up, and he came to Jesus, that's a big deal because his coat would have represented all of what he had. And I don't think the Lord would have emphasized that in the text if it wasn't something that's important. That's why I tell you the little things are the big things. The little things do make a difference. And in the scripture, he says, literally, Jesus is over here. Bartimaeus is here. He's got the coat on. Everything that he's probably ever owned, the only thing that keeps him warm, everything to him. And he throws it off. Why would he throw it off if he's blind? He doesn't realize, you know, he's like, why would he even care? But there's a a significance in throwing off the coat, running to Jesus, and then talking about the healing. And so I want to have Chase come up for just a second, and I want to show you guys something. (laughs) So right here, Pastor Dave gave me some great jackets. You know, honestly, they might be even better than the outfit you have on. So let's see. (laughs) You were swaggy. I like the shoes. You got it. So I want to talk to you guys about the coats that we wear. So Bartimaeus, of course, He's a beggar. He has a coat. He struggles, right? But there's three different coats that we all tend to wear, and it's the same thing that Bartimaeus had. So this is the coat of security. 
You know, that coat to Bartimus was his security. It was everything that genuinely was what kept him secure. At night, it's what kept people from coming at him. At night, it was what kept him from literally probably being run over by people from animals. It probably protected his skin. So for you, what is your security blanket? Is it avoiding people? Is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Is it relationships? What is it that you're using to stay secure? What is your blanket that you're wearing? So go ahead and just drape this over you. You might, Yeah, you could put it on. Okay. So you see Chase here, his security, these blue, beautiful colors. So his security is on, right? He's got this security on. You feel a little bit heavier? How heavy is it? About 17 pounds? Yeah. <laughs> so Chase has this blanket of security on, right? And so the next jacket that we're going to talk about is protection. That jacket would have also served from protection from the cold. It would have protected him whenever the winter came because that's all he had. He probably could have like went under a house or went under somewhere. But this signifies the protection that he felt in that jacket. And so for you, what do you feel like is protecting you? It could be as simple as your alarm system or a gun or whatever it is that you have that you feel like protects you. The face masks from the guy, you know, she was thinking this is your only protection and he's avoiding it. But this is your protection. What is it that you think is protecting you? Is it you being avoiding people, relationships, community, life groups? Is it you avoiding really making genuine connections with people? Are you avoiding your Bible because you feel like you're protecting yourself and the things that you feel like you need? What are you using to protect yourself? Because most of the time you're protecting yourself from the truth of grace and freedom. So go ahead and put this one on, your little protection shield. Sure, if you can do it. This one might not fit because, you know, Stephanie, little jean jacket's nice. I don't know if <laughs> it'll go on. How heavy do you feel right now? Is a little, like, 50 pounds. Look, you bulked up a little bit. Okay, all right. <laughs> so the last jacket that we have right here is the jacket of possession. So this man's only possession that he had was his jacket. Sure, he probably had clothes on as well, but the fact that he had a coat this coat represents the possessions that we have. Do you put your possessions before the Lord? This is something I definitely struggle with. I struggle with wanting to be super financially secure, with really wanting to be able to set myself up for my future generations. I struggle with um, just material things a lot. And so for you, what possessions do you might put before the Lord? What are things that might be a priority in your life? Are you more dependent on your income than you are on the grace and favor of God in your life? Are you more dependent on, you know, your house or your cars or your clothes? Like what possessions in your life do you feel like are bringing you that joy in your life? That's really just false. So go ahead and put this around you. You know, you can just put it on you. So Chase. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, you look good. That's, that's good. <laughs> so how do you feel wearing all the jackets? Really warm. Yeah, you feel good? You want to wear them all the time outside? No? Okay, you could take them off and just drop them on the ground. <laughs> so what I want you guys to see here is these are the coats that Chase has on, and there was a coat that Bartimus had on, and you can take a seat. Thank you. Everybody, Chase. <laughs> He's like the number one person you want to call up at all times. But um, what happened was Chase, I told Chase to take the jackets off, right? I gave him the, I, I had the authority to be like, take the jackets off, go sit down. 
So what happens was Bartimaeus throws the jackets off and he goes to the Lord. So you notice that Chase didn't take the jackets with him. And what we see in Scripture right here is that the Lord tells Bartimaeus, he says, go, your faith has healed you. So Jesus isn't even saying that you have to follow me in order to receive a blessing. You have to follow me in order for me to heal you. Jesus doesn't even tell him that. He says, go, just go, your faith has healed you. And maybe Jesus was testing him, but what we see here is that the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. I want you to understand that he didn't come back and pick up all these jackets and he was like, okay, Jesus, I'm coming, I'm coming. No, he literally drops the jackets, leaves them where they are, and he goes to follow God. He goes to follow Jesus. He doesn't come back to these coats. He doesn't come back to pick it up. Instead, he follows Jesus down the road and he refuses to come back to the spot that he was in. And so I want you guys to recognize that there are so many coats that you're wearing. There are so many things that you're carrying in this room. When Chase put on those jackets, he was getting hotter. He was standing here thinking, what am I doing? This is crazy. I feel a little uncomfortable. This is weird. Everyone's looking at me. And, you know, you've got coats in your life that you're wearing. And Chase had all of those coats on, and he felt a little heavier. Each jacket brought a little more heaviness. So that heaviness that you feel sometimes when you're alone, that heaviness that you feel sometimes when you feel like there's no other options, those, that heaviness before bed or that anxiety you feel, whatever it is that's feeling like your chest, because I know what that feels like. I've been there. I was there all week. I was so anxious trying to figure out what the Lord had for you guys. And that heaviness is not what you're supposed to hold on to. That heaviness is not what you're called to because there's a freedom that happens when we choose to not only receive a blessing, receive a healing from the Lord, but when we choose to turn away and follow the Lord into what he has for us. We're not going to sit here and focus on the jackets. We're not going to sit here and go back to this provision because it would look so stupid if I pick these up and I'm walking around with all these jackets. It's summer, first of all. But it would be so silly for me to pick these back up and try to leave, try to walk around. When the Lord is telling you, drop the heaviness, drop the coat, and realize that you can come back to this. I'll still love you. I'll still heal you. Like I will still do these things for you but it's not about the doing. Jesus has so much more for us than allowing us to walk and carry coats when he has a healing to open our eyes and to let us see the truth. And so if we're turned here, we're gonna go right in circles just like I was whenever I was in college, before college, before I knew the, before I knew the Lord, I wasn't going in circles. And then eventually I decided my sophomore year, I'm going to walk forward. There's times, don't get me wrong, and all of you guys have that in this room where you look back and you're like, man, that might be, that might be the decision. That might be the choice. I might want to pick this up. I might want to focus on my fiance more than I focus on the Lord. Like, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to put the coat back on. And that's okay. But the truth is, this is not freedom. And the good thing is, even if you've sinned, even if you've put all of these coats back on, the Lord still says to you, you are chosen, you are loved, you are strong, and you are mine when you come to me. And you are always able to repent and to put those sins back down and walk towards the Father with open arms like Stephanie was saying. He is always there to welcome you in, to celebrate you, to give you life again. But what happens even as Christians, even when we finally took the first coat off and said, I surrender to you, there's so much of us, 
as Christians that are walking, that are reading our Bible, that come to church, that we genuinely do live a life that's devoted to Jesus that still picks up a little bit of our coat and still feels like we need the security. So today, I just want to ask you, are you more hungry for his will or your own? Because your will looks like this and his will looks like this. And I want you to understand in this moment, you have the opportunity. If you've never, ever, ever known the Lord, you have the opportunity right now to decide, I'm taking off the heaviness. I'm taking off the coat. I'm taking off the power that I think that I have in my mind. And I'm tired of wrestling with this. And I'm going to drop it. So if that's you for the first time ever, you're saying, you know, church has been good to me and I feel like I'm benefiting, but what does, what do I really need to do for him? What, what is his will for my life? Then in a little bit, we're going to have a time of prayer. And I really want you guys to, if you make that decision to drop your coat and to begin to genuinely just turn your life to Christ, I want to ask you to reach out to a leader here. You have so many amazing people who are plugged in that would love to have those conversations because you can't just drop the coat and do your own thing. You got to drop your coat and follow Jesus, but you need people alongside of you in that journey. And if you decide to drop the coat and not follow and not get in community, I promise you're not going to be able to do it alone. And eventually you're going to keep picking back up the coats and you're going to feel heavier than you did before because at that moment, you know what the freedom is. And so... If you are a Christian and you have given your life to Christ, I have coats in my life. You all have things that you're wearing. So the question is, are you ready to drop those coats? One of mine, honestly, was my ability to just let go of my relationship with Emmanuel and continue to place the Lord back there. I'm very, I'm a perfectionist. I want things exactly the way they are. And little did I know the moment a few months ago where I let go of my hold on our relationship, the Lord would walk us into a season of engagement. And I'm not saying that when you do something, the Lord's going to give you more because that's not the gospel. The gospel is that you follow the Lord. He has a will for you and you spend your life surrendering to him. But I am telling you, the Lord has a will that's better than what you think you have for your life. So whatever you're wearing, I want you to drop that as a Christian because you don't have to carry that burden. And you might have to drop that coat every day. Think to yourself in the mirror every day, what is, what is the coat that I'm putting on today? Is it selfishness? Is it my own ambition? Is it my pride? And every morning pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to drop this and I want to follow you in the path that you're leading me today. And so I just want you guys to know that you don't need to be the man that was under the bridge yelling at my grandmother saying, I want this, but I don't want this. You don't have to be the person that's in the store avoiding provision, protection. You can be the people that are in this room that are choosing to say, I'm not just going to drop it, but I'm not going to choose to go back to it. I'm going to go forward. And every day when I look back and I want to pick it up, or maybe I do pick it up sometimes, I'll know who has the ability to set it back down. And it's not myself, it's the Lord. So I'm going to move into a time of prayer. And as I'm praying for you guys, genuinely seriously bring the lord to your mind and just ask him god i don't really know how to do this but i need you to bring to my mind what it is that i'm holding on to i need you to bring to my mind what it is that i need to let go of in order to follow you in order to love you in order to understand the will that you have for my life make me hungrier for your will not my own so guys let's just bow our heads and let's pray and i want you to consider so every eye closed, I want you all to just bring up an image in your head. 
Is it your security? Is it your protection? Is it your possessions? What is it that's the center of your life? What is it that's on the throne of your heart that you need to drop so you can follow Jesus? So God, we just come to you right now and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for the fact that when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he revealed to us how hard it is sometimes to choose your will, how how difficult it can be, that sometimes we're going to be in grief, sometimes we're going to be in pain, God. But just like he prayed, God, I pray this prayer over this entire room. Lord, let it not be my will and my way, but let it be yours. Let your will be done nevertheless. So God, I pray for everyone in this room to not be hungry for their own selfish ambition, but God, that they will turn to you. They'll turn away from the coat that they're dropping right now in this moment. The image that you have brought to their mind, I pray right now that it is dropped in the name of Jesus and that the Holy Spirit is able to bring power within them to resurrect new life to move forward, God. And I pray for anyone in this room, if you've chosen to drop that coat for the first time and take up the cross and allow Jesus to come into your heart, I pray that a conversation that follows is empowered and it connects you to truth. So dear Lord, we thank you for every person in this room, no matter what place they're in their walk, that we all struggle. We all don't understand what to do, but you do, God. So allow us to have the power to move forward. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And we thank you for the fact that you ask us to come and you accept us as we are. And your Holy Spirit is what creates a powerful change within us, dear Lord. So we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you do. And we thank you for the fact that you have a will for our lives, Jesus. It's in your heavenly and precious name that we pray. Amen.